Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Um, I want to say good afternoon, Ned. But I've said it to you three times already because we keep messing this up. Ciao, Davide. Good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going straight to script, even though nothing has gone to script so far. This is literally take five. So as far as I'm concerned, it's ciao, Davide. Where are you? Just scrolling down to find my script. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the outskirts of Maltachino. I've, I've said this so many times. I'm on the outskirts of Montalcino, where there are light to moderate winds and temperatures and high teens. Traffic flowing freely in all approaches to the city centre. Look out for early morning road closures tomorrow, as final preparations are put in place for the arrival of stage 11 of the Giro d'Italia, the wine stage, featuring four long sectors of gravel and almost certainly a victory for local rider, Alberto Bettiol. It's the afternoon butterfly with David Miller and Ned Bolton, and to ease you into the afternoon is level 42, and keep it in the family. And a special hello to Big Ron, listening in from New Cross in sunny South East London. Never Strays Farfalle is brought to you by Chapter 3 and The Roadbook. Chapter 3 was created by David Miller in 2015 with the vision of creating cycling clothing that he would wear as a retired racer. Now they've made cycling kit to meet you wherever your ride takes you. And the good news, it's launching next month. In 2018, a team of dedicated enthusiasts delivered the inaugural edition of the Roadbook Cycling Almanac, an annual publication supplying data, essays and anecdotes from the racing calendar. The Roadbook has become the definitive companion of any serious fan of the sport. Documenting how the season bounced back from the pandemic, the latest 2020 edition has arguably never had such an important place on our bookshelves. Between us, we're giving away four full sets of Chapter 3's new kit, two men's and two women's, as well as four signed copies of the 2020 Roadbook. Plus, four sets of caps and socks with RB Exercise Book and Musette. Bookmark as a secondary prize. All you have to do is head to the episode notes and click the link. Hello and welcome to a one-off bespoke afternoon butterfly show with a very special twist. <laughs> That's right, David. <laughs> We're recording the podcast later on in the day because, frankly, I was oh, I'm so bored of this script. We've read it so many times because, frankly, I was still in bed until nine. It's the first rest day of the Giro. And we are joined by a most excellent get guest, it right, get it right. rock guitar legend from Pendulum, yep. Never Strays Far jingle say composer, his name right. and on, say his name. Giro Come, commentator, say his name. Perry. Perry, he's bottled it, gone. Peredir. David Peredir. said this before, Peredir. that's it, perfect, yeah. Peredir. Peredir. Yeah. David can roll his R's and, and he's Scottish, so you can say Peredir. Peredir. It's quite easy. <laughs> hey. Perredir. Perfect. Hey, Perry, Perry thanks, for the, thanks for the jingle. Hey. Thanks for the jingle. It's, um, it's gone viral. Kind of. We've had one or two tweets for people who like it. Oh, that's fact, nice. We genuinely have had requests. We've had requests for an extended version, which I find, <laughs> I find semi-inexplicable. Well, it's 15 seconds long. I, I guess I can loop it about 30 times. I can have a, a full prog rock version of it, if they like. 
Uh, do, do you remember? Well, talking of prog rock, yeah, talking of prog rock versions, just before we we, yeah. we go further in, uh, a little bit of background on you first, in the sense that you're a Welsh um, rock guitar musician, yep. uh, accomplished, also a cycling commentator. Yes, that's weird, isn't it? How did that happen? Well, uh, I it's so I weird. got a phone call from a friend of mine before, about twenty four in twenty fourteen. And he he said they were putting together a pitch for the S uh, C, the Welsh uh, TV channel, to get the tar- cha- uh, Tour de France in Welsh on their channel. And they got it, and they asked me to do it. I'd never done any commentary before. I was a big <laughs> cycling fan, but I'd never done any commentary before. And uh, I was like in the in the deep end slightly. And uh, so they asked me, "What are you doing in July?" I said, "Well, I'm actually on tour." But uh, so uh, that's what I eventually did was I flitted between me on tour oh, and yeah. the Tour de France. So. Yeah, that's so cool. And now, of course, and now, of course, the Giro is added to your portfolio as well, isn't it? So you've been literally commentating on this race, Perry. I have, yes. So this is our third Giro, and you know, brilliant. This, this is our eighth Tour de France later on in the month. So uh, next month. So yeah, give us a little, give us a little flavour of how you come on air with S Four C. I know you. I don't think you're the lead commentator, so to speak. Are you? you're more colour yeah. kind of colour, but I'm sure you can give it a whirl i mean for example when i'm I'm commentating on the world feed i tend to say uh good morning good evening good afternoon everybody wherever you are watching around the world welcome to live coverage of stage 11 of the giro d'italia where we run from wherever the hell we start tomorrow to wherever the hell we finish yeah well in in welsh you'd go um croeso i seiclo esperreca near emma and a giro d'italia denith him and the radar on the nema and slenethi and sharadichi Brilliant! Why did the, why, why did I hear wow. the word Clanetli in there? Because uh, because of the um, of COVID, we're doing it, uh, doing all the um, commentary remotely, so we're in Clanetli ah. in, in Wales. Uh, that's where the studio Fantastic. Clanetli, fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so again, just to keep going back to a loop, is the. Um, the jingle, yeah. because Ned and I, in our infinite, with the extensive budget we have, yeah. decided we needed music for our, our podcasts. And Got him a bottle of wine. We asked you uh, a bottle of wine yeah. and a dinner, yeah. but let's face it, it's uh, it's still been a bit of a bargain for us. Yeah. But all of a sudden, uh, Perry's uh, informed us that all the podcast jingles he's done actually mash up and are the same. Yes. It's and the same melody. Can you explain. It's ab- absolutely the same melody. So <laughs> that's all I've done is take taking the melody and put a different backing track and put different flavours onto the uh, to the actual theme tune. So that's all I've done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play them. We're going to listen to it now, and you'll hear all the different podcasts we've done from Revuelta, Never Strays Far, Off Bike, and Never Strays for Farley, for Farley all together at once. And uh, here you go.
Yeah, that's just that's just brilliant, Perry. When you said I asked you to do the Italian flavored one, you when you gave, you sent me a WhatsApp message when you kind of sent me it, your rough cut at least, and it's absolutely brilliant the way you described it. About imagine you're what did you say? Imagine you just sat down to dinner or something. Oh yeah, if, if you, you're you're sat outside a Neapolitan <laughs> cafe and uh, you're reading your antique uh, Italian uh, guidebook and then some bloody awful band starts playing next to you. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Here you go. That's it. <laughs> but the, you're yeah, welcome. But the, uh, the Italian, this, this version, the Italian version, that's what I did was I, I just Googled Italian folk music and the first thing I came up was uh, a, a song called um, Tarantella Neapolitana by I think it's by Rossini from uh, The Godfather. And luckily enough, the first two notes of that tune is exactly the same as Revolta, as Nesra's Bike. It's the same two notes. So I just Class. kind of ripped yeah. that off, really. So it's, uh, I've got a mandolin. I've yeah. got a mandolin and just, I just recorded the, the theme tune. Just, plus just greatness is greatness. That's like, that reminds me of. Um, What's that? Uh, tubular bells. Yeah, back in the day, Mike Oldfield. Isn't there a bit in that where he goes plus mandolin? <laughs> He's got right. a bazooki as well. I, you know what? I've, yeah. Because I, I like doing this so much, I've actually bought a bazooki. So uh, I'm going all Italian. I know what? it's Greek, but you know, it's Mediterranean folk. Oh, is that one of those? Is a bazooki it? that instrument that's kind of like almost like Doctor Zhivago style? Yeah, sort of. Okay, it's it's like a cool. big it's like a big mandolin brace, basically. So. Oh wow, 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 wow! Hey, what do you make of the race? I think it's been a very a very exciting first week. Way more exciting than you know usual first weeks of Grand Tours. You know, usually they're quite boring, aren't they? But you know, it's um, the I'm very very intrigued by. Bernal and Avonapol. Very intrigued by them because Avonapol. Uh, did you see the uh, the D- D- um uh, documentary on their website uh, last week? There's a do- what is it a documentary? Yeah, so it's only about ten minutes long, <laughs> but it just shows him. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's like porn for you, isn't it, David? So, um, so it's just just ten minutes long. But uh, in that um, documentary, it tells it tells that well, t- tells us that he only got back on his bike on in, on February the eighth. He's only been yeah. back on his bike for three months. You know, I just I just I rest it's my amazing. case. I mean, <laughs> I was I was talking to somebody about this today, obviously because I talk about it every day. Um, but I was talking about, uh, oh, that's what I was with. I was speaking with Alistair who listens to this. Um, and we were talking about why I'm so enthused, uh, with cycling at the moment and just loving it and actually encouraging my children to watch it because of this new generation. And it's, it's just amazing when you see Egan Bernal and you see Remco just ripping it after that. It's like he basically died last yeah. year Remco and he's yeah. back first race back and he only got back February the yeah. 8th he's amazing he- even and I was messaging and by the way just to close off yesterday's podcast because I don't we need to do this as well I did get blue ticks eventually from Dan Martin oh well done regards and uh, asking me about because I was asking him because he'd finished fifth place uh, two days ago I think was it Ned uh, on Remco's wheel at the finish line uh, on the gravelly day no, no, no. Yes, yep. yes. Uh, two days ago. Fifth place, two days ago. And yeah, Remco was fourth. Yeah. 
So I wanted to just get some intel on um, Remco from literally from 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 the hot seat. Yeah, and he said he's a lovely kid. And so yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but it, yeah. The, the suspense, so. you know, these two weeks coming up is going to be quite, you know, it's going to be quite high because one, he hasn't finished. Well, he's never ever attempted a, a grand tour before so we don't know he doesn't know what's going to happen in the next couple of weeks and banal as well you know with this scoliosis that's not an injury that's that he's got that's um you know it's a medical condition you know, he's, he's got curvature of the spine and we don't know how Holy that hell yeah. that's going to affect yeah. him in the third week especially with that you know all the crazy crazy mountains yeah. in the third week so it's going to be very very exciting well start we're starting tomorrow actually but we can yes. t- talk about that in a bit but what i what i What's new, what we've discovered now in this rest day that we didn't know this time last week is um, the, there is a app in the, in the annals of Grand Tour racing already you can say, because they're so young and they're so talented, that this is a wonderful rivalry that we've discovered at this Giro d'Italia. Let's not forget, we went into this race kind of thinking that Simon Yates was going to win, right? That may well happen. Who knows? But what's emerged instead is this is this extraordinary, rather beautiful rivalry between two obviously wonderful characters, very different human beings, but they're both very expressive, aren't they? Both on a bike and as personalities. They are, you have a real sense of who they are, actually. Bernal's emotions at the victory two days ago, Remco's lovely, easygoing level-headedness, um, the, the two different tactical approaches, because they, they have different attributes and different stages come into play, which will favour the one or kind of disfavor. That's interesting. And it compares favourably this rivalry to the, the the rivalry that we were previously quite taken with which between Pog and Rog which we'll see in July at the Tour de France now that's fascinating in its own way but it doesn't have the texture and the character of this of these two going at it which is like um it's great to see you know that little fist bump yesterday when they sprinted for one second you know I, this has the makings <clears throat> I of, this, that, has, this has the makings of yeah. A really special Giro, I think. I mean, really special. If they, we want them to go all the way with this one, don't we? Well, the fact that they're going for bonus seconds makes it really, really exciting as well. You know, are they doing it because they know maybe they won't be so hot in the in the third week? Who knows? But uh, yeah, but you mentioned Yates there. I think no, he's only fifty five seconds down. That's all he needs is one Simon Yates like attack, and that fifty five seconds is gone. Completely. I disagree. I disagree. Well. I kind of disagree because mm. I I don't think in the modern era you take 55 seconds on a summit finish in in one day. I don't think you do and don't forget don't forget he's got to take he's got to take two and a half minutes on Remco from where he is on the general classification to be secure of victory because of the time trials. Because of the time trials. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I I I'm going to to step in on that one in the sense that it, I do believe that people the racing is so unpredictable now, yet it's, it's appearing predictable, yet it's not. Because if it does turn into, and, and it is a wonderful rivalry between Remco and Egan, and <laughs> yet that can actually possibly then neutralize sl- slightly behind, in this, is is that Yates at some point can just sit there and bide his time. Yeah. And, that's, and that's sit fair. there and bide his time yeah. and, and play off the tactics. Because let's not f- forget when he did come so close previously, it was because he ripped it so badly or so greatly in the first week, 10 days, first half, that he was frazzled <clears throat> by the second half of the final four or five days where he needed it. 
so there could be a case of Yates is just there behind, just watching, because he is the type of rider who just rips holes out of races when he wants and when he decides. So this could be his I, chance. I like it. Makes sense. And he's, of course, he's capable. He's a wonderful bike rider. I just think he's not going to be able to do that from a stand from 55 seconds back. Not really. I think, I think he's going to have to, in the same way that he's incrementally lost little chunks of time, he's going to have to start clawing them back. And then, uh, and because it just it strikes me as just the maths don't quite stack up, really. I agree. I agree. Because I think what's happening as well, and this is <clears throat> be interesting to get um, Perry's opinion on this as well, is when you see these, these you, you reference Pogaccia and Roglic, is that it's a constant battle in Grand Tours now. They It becomes just basically hand-to-hand battle daily. And so if you're not in that battle, if you're not in that fight, how do you get back into it? Mm. You, you'd have to do like what if what the last great exploit was Chris Froome uh, when he won the Giro d'Italia yep. was when he was he'd never been in the hand to hand battle he picked moments out I mean he had won the Zonkland stage so it wasn't terrible but uh, it was you have to ask yourself and that that will eat into a lot of the riders' minds when they're seeing this battle unfolding between Remco and um, Egan that they'll think well we're not in that fight we're going to have to find another tactic. We're not going to chip away. We're not. We can't do hand to hand. This isn't a knife fight. I can't get into there. I'm going to have to pull out a big gun at some point and just put it all in the line and, and shoot one bullet one day and go for it because I can't go hand to hand. Well, with yeah, him. he has to attack. Really, so, in that final week, he has to attack somewhere, uh, wh- wherever that m- climb is. You know, maybe it's on the Queen stage. You know, maybe it's a Bordai on Jiao. Who knows? It's like, but he, yeah, he has to attack and he has to attack big. He has to do a Froome. What Froome yeah, did to him, he has to do that to them. Yeah, yeah. But but don't forget, don't forget Froome was backed by the team that he was backed by, you yeah. know? I mean, th- th- they yes. isolated all the leaders. Mm. Froome wouldn't have been able to attack if, he, if the team hadn't ripped the race to pieces and isolated all the leaders. So are you telling me that Bike Exchange can do that to the Ineos Grenadiers? That's, I can't see. I no. can't see it. You know. So what, how does he? Where's his springboard? No. But it, it's all to do with with Bernal and where it's it's all down to Bernal's f- uh, fitness and his, and the state of his back by the third. If his if his back's fine in that third week, then yeah, you're right. Bernal's got this. But like we saw in the third week of the tour last year, you know, it just got too much for him. And as I said, it's it's physical conditions, not an injury. He doesn't know what he's going to be like in the third week, so it's uh, it, that's what makes it exciting. You know, Perry, Perry, what regards to this first um, phase of the Giro? What's been your favourite moment so far? Um, oh God, the, it was Paddy uh, Bevan. Well, yeah, he's nice, isn't he? Uh, that, the, that, not, I'm not just <laughs> nice. <laughs> It's a bit patronising. That Perry, yeah. it's a bit, it's a bit Have you had any um, drive-bys on the autostrada? <laughs> no, I haven't seen him today, but I might. There's plenty of time in the day. I might get. Uh, but actually, my favourite stage would have been uh, Taco's win because that was just insane. Oh, that was did. great. That was no, it, just to see that so early on. It was like, wow, this is amazing. This is going to be a good Giro, and yeah, it, that was. You know, <laughs> I, I even like. I'm not a big. <clears throat> I even liked commentating on the time trial this year as well. Cause you know, when yeah. Ghana, what Ghana did at the end, well, actually, you know, when, um, Avonapol, uh, his first split, I was like, everybody's like, Oh my God, he's actually all right. This guy, you know, uh, um, from his first split, then Ghana's uh, first split, the last 
bit of the time trials <clears throat> electrifying. But yeah, Taco winning that stage would have been the best, uh, my best moment. But um, one of my riders of the Giro so far is Giulio Ciccone because uh, it's so good seeing him being so strong and kind of taking over the reins with there in the team, you know, because Nibali's a bit, uh, well, he's not not there at all really. Well, yet. Yeah. Well, he's got a broken wrist. He's, he's going, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's all, you know, he's he has got a broken wrist, yeah. I mean, it's difficult. It's, it's, you know, once the proper mountain stages comes, you know, he's going to have to get out of the saddle and, and put weight on that wrist. So, you know, so yeah. he's not going to be there at all. But Giulio Ciccone, he's, he's been a bit of a revelation for me. And everybody knows he's a good climber, you know, um, uh, and a very t- talented r- rider. I know he's kind of becoming of age in this Giro now. And obviously the team looking at him going, hmm, actually, you know what? <laughs> this, this could be a leader. Have you... Can I ask you a question? Because this is something that's been crossing my mind the, the last, especially after Sagan's win yesterday. <clears throat> There's a really weird, lovely transition going on between this, this super, these newer humans that are coming up, this whole new generation that races differently, that are exciting, that are multidisciplinary, who rip up the rule book. And, and there's this, the kind of the final, it's like the final hurrah from the, that generation. Yeah. That we had written off, and we've seen it. Uh, Mark Cavendish at Turkey, Greipel won a few days ago somewhere else, and then Sagan. And it's amazing to think that even now, it's almost it, the Sagan victories before were such celebrations, yeah, and in the sense that it was just so grandiose and so over the top. And now, when you see it, you almost feel it's like it just makes you feel warm and cuddly. It's like, oh, good, he still can. Whereas, and it's, so, so this is a really lovely generational shift happening. And I think th- this year is it. This is where it's happening. Yeah, but it's, it's, his win yesterday, you know, they tried exactly the same tac- tactic as they as they failed with last week. And oh my God, you know, with you know, dropping the sprinters, you know, you know, that team, you know, Daniel Oss and all those guys. Wow. You know, what strength with those guys. And they just tore the pelt on to shreds. You know, it's, it's love. And, and then seeing, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it would have been very disappointing if Peter Sagan wouldn't have won at the end there. You no, know, but, but the fact that he won, it was, it was just, uh, just a bit, bit mind blowing, really. You know, he still got it. He still bloody got it. Yeah, there's so much little detail, though, that is really worthy of note. I think back to yesterday's stage. A rider who I mentioned quite a few days ago, David, on the, on the podcast, in probably quite unflattering terms, uh, young Giovanni Aliotti, who's a um, domestique for Bora Hansgra. Um, and do you remember that stage where Bora were riding? I can't quite remember the context. And I think it might have been the Taco van der Horn day, actually. Yeah, it was the Taco van der Horn day. And it was poor old Aliotti on the front. And actually, because he's a very slight, he's a Climber. He just wasn't making the difference. He, he wasn't bringing the time gap down to the however many men were up the road and working, you know. And I really felt for him, and I kind of wanted him to be replaced by Bodnar or Oss or someone to, you know, because he just put him in an uncomfortable position. Um, and I don't, and it's worth noting that he was absolutely sensational yesterday on that climb, Aliotti in particular. And even when he'd done his shift on the climb, I saw him go back to the team car, get bottles, take them all the way back to the front again for Bodnar and Sagan and Oss and the rest of them, hand them out. And then instead of retiring back again, he just slotted in second wheel. And then before too long, he was doing another turn on the front. But it was really funny that yesterday I really enjoyed 
with the uh, the sprint because a lot of the sprinters were gone and a lot of the uh, lead out trains had vanished as well. Had all sorts of randoms, random riders involved in the lead out. And most hilariously and notably, it was Michael Storer and Roman Bardet doing the lead out for uh, for the uh, the DSM sprinters, Nicky Asart and Max Cantor. It's just it's just brilliant sight of little Michael Storer with Bardet on his wheel trying to match Mache Bodnar and Bodnar just looking across going. What are you doing here? <laughs> don't, don't, don't. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. But you know, I, I watched it back on highlights at the sprint yesterday and, and what I found, because this paradigm shift and we're all focused on these, for want of a better term, newer humans. Um, there is no better term. And you can't want for a better it's a, term. It's it's the perfect. Pete Kenyuk no, invented that term and it's brilliant. It's yeah. brilliant. So all these new, newer humans are just uh, taking all our attention. And so a 30 or a 31 year old like Peter Sagan, we're like, oh, you're, you're done. Or Mark Cavendish, who's 35, it's like, you're done. Um, but yesterday when I watched that sprint, that was a super technical sprint. Oh, and yeah. that was, that was a young man's sprint. It was to be kind of diving through and have the confidence was just bonkers. And it was, it was a, it, like I said, it was just doff your cap. It's, that's uh, an experienced bike racer who's also still a maniac, who's got all the attributes. And uh, but yeah, it was just it's, it's good. And I think that's that's a, the lovely juxtaposition we're we're experiencing right now. And I think it doesn't happen very often. I think it happens twice a decade where you have the transition between younger and older generations and the big names to the to handing over the mantle for. Uh, yet now, I think it's really pronounced. Because these newer humans are, are significantly de- better, and they're they're changing the face of the sport, and yet there's these older guard that are showing flashes of brilliance occasionally, and you're like, oh, it's not all lost. Yeah, they're still it's there. A, it's a couple, there's a couple of yeah. there could be a couple of fairy tale story movies uh, out of this year. You know, if if Enable comes yeah. through and wins the Giro, and that would be an amazing movie. Or if Cavendish uh, actually gets. A, a place in the Tour de France, and he wins four stages, and he gets equal with with uh, Eddie Merckx. I mean, then he gets the fifth stage, and you know, there's, there's, a, there's a couple of amazing scenarios that could happen this year. You know, probably neither of them will, yeah. but you know, it's uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't yeah. write it off. Either of those seem actually right yeah. now. Both of those seem realistic, yeah. madly. Yeah. It's like, I, and, and, and I think that's, that's where at the moment we're seeing that lovely, the, the great, the beauty of cycling and why we love it is just these totally mad uh-huh. things that appear and happen, which just rip up the rule book and make no sense. And right now that seems to be happening. You've got Remco who could be winning his first grand tour after his, the, the most visible, clear, near death crash we've ever seen in professional cycling. You've got Cav who we, everybody wrote off. Mm-hmm. And who was, who was gone at the end yeah. of last year, who's just come back and just back to new Cav, albeit to mm-hmm. Turkey. And you think, well, how is that both happening at the same time? And you think, well, that's why it's a great sport because those things Absolutely. do. Yeah. And it's got something to do with quick step as well. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. God, they're both on, yeah, yeah. they're both on quick step. Yeah. What about Perry? What about your yeah. kind of, um, you know, David's developed this very, very strong affection, almost kind of worry, troublingly strong affection for Remco Evenepoel. I've, I'm steadfastly still a huge admirer of Paddy Bevin. Um, have you got a kind of, you know, a little favorite there and you're someone who you think, ah, oh, you perk up every time you see him to, towards the front or kind of doing a bit of work or, you know, it might be, I don't know. Damiana Caruso. 
Damiano Caruso. Oh, Caruso, what yeah. a race he's Caruso. having. Wow. He's having Man. such a good race. It's yeah. amazing. I mean, he's always up there. No, whatever. No, he uh, was a GC candidate years and years ago. Uh, well, mm. five, six years ago. But and now mm. he's uh, gone into the super domestique uh, role. But you know, he's up there in GC. He's like, what is he seventh? And you know, mm. forty six seconds down, I think. You know, whenever you see him, he's always at the at the front, trying to tear the ass out of that front group. You know. And he's, but he's, so, he's now basically, basically the leader, isn't he? I'd, I'd imagine. Okay, so, completely, completely, yeah. Yeah, completely. So, so I have, I, I've, I've been thinking about this, yeah. Perry, in the sense that, um, because I, I always frowned upon, uh, Ned's, um, affection. I, I'll get affiliation for Paddy Bevan. Yeah. Why did you frown? Why did um, you frown upon it? Seems a bit mean I didn't spirited. frown upon it. What? No, I, I just didn't necessarily fully understand it. Okay. Um, and so now it's happened to me with Remco, and so I've got a lot more empathy for you. And now I hear about Caruso, and then I think, well, maybe, maybe it's we're projecting something. Maybe there are spirit animals. And are oh, you? So oh, why come is on! Petty- come on! You've if that's the case, and you've just nicked so Remco, and we, I know, with respect well, exactly. to Damiana Caruso and Paddy Bevan, you've got Remco. So that's why that, that's why I want to why Caruso and why Bevan. That I need to dig deeper into this. So first of all, Perry, why Caruso? Apart from the fact he can rip well, yeah, the arse out of a breakaway, but. I've always preferred the riders. It's, it's never the I, I never like the I always like the domestiques and. And I'd see a domestique that is in the top 10 and could, you know, if he climbs good enough, you know, could go even higher. You know, I'd just love a story like that. That's why, you know, and Caruso, well, yeah, he's a very, very talented rider. You know? I think eighth was his best position ever, but to see him up there, and he's not a spring chicken either. I think he's in his early 30s. You know, it, so he's getting older, but just to see him up there just makes me really happy, you know. <laughs> That's that's nice. What about okay? I think I can understand that. What about you, Ned and, and, yeah, and Paddy? So, for those of you who don't know, Paddy Bevin is a um, is a, a Kiwi rider who can climb quite well, very well. He can sprint pretty well, very well, and he can and he can time trial really quite well. So he's incredibly versatile, but he hasn't won a huge amount of races and probably in his career he won't. I think that he, he appeals to my sense of, this is going to sound absolutely terrible, isn't it? But he appeals, I find myself reflected in Paddy Bevin because I got, when I was at school, I got, I got grade five clarinet. (laughs) But, but I left, so I, you know, I was good enough. I moved through, I moved through the ranks a little bit. Um, but I probably was, I was never really grade eight material. I went to university and got a, um, I got a two, two. I got a Desmond um, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so there's a bit of, uh, that sounds really unfair because Paddy Bevan's a really brilliant world tour racer. But here's another, here's another thing. When I was, I used to do some student acting when I was, a, when I was at a university, I did lots of student theatre, you know, indescribably awful productions watched, watched only by drunken students and their parents, um, uh, that kind of thing. And I actually, the, the, the apotheosis of my, of my student acting career was when I played Amadeus in the famous Peter Schaffer play. What? What's so funny? 
Well, I don't know, I don't know why you're both laughing. I played, I played, I played, actually, I'll tell you a story, I'll tell you a story about that. But I played, I played Amadeus um, really quite badly, I think. I, I, took, I represented Amadeus on stage at the ABC Theatre in Cambridge. And um, the, the, this is the interesting thing about this was the actor who played Salieri, who is, of course, you know, the key character in Amadeus, because he comes up with that wonderful phrase, you know, Salieri was this composer in Vienna, for those of you who don't know, who wasn't as good as Mozart, right? <laughs> And so he kind of tried to mastermind Mozart's downfall. Um, and Salieri comes up with this great line in Peter Schaffer's play, uh, mediocrities of the world, I absolve you all. That's his conclusion, right? Because he, he's the standard bearer for mediocrity, Salieri, really. And the irony was, I was playing Amadeus. And the bigger irony was, Paul Hill, who was playing um, playing the part of, of uh, Salieri, went on to become a really, really good professional actor. <laughs> So, so there's something in there. There's something in there that appeals to my sense of ah, oh, almost, but not quite. But then you've done your own theatre tours, so you're up there as well, Ned. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks, yeah. Board. thanks, 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 Perry. The thanks, Perry. <laughs> yeah. Guys, I'm gonna have to jump off because I've got to go and do a, a, a work call, which I wouldn't have normally been jumping off if we hadn't taken four takes to do this. Yeah, that's true. That's so. true. He's a proper businessman. But I mean, um, th- yeah. well, this is an afternoon show, isn't it? People have tuned out long ago, so um, we'll probably just knock yeah. it on the head here. Hey, listen, Perry. Yeah. Thanks yeah. very much for per- thanks very much for the music. Um, it's a pleasure, mate. Uh, we might be in touch quite soon again. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. I'm nodding and winking. Right. If there's, there's a little there's a little yeah, plan if, in the office. If, if you're lucky yeah, enough, if you're Perry, lucky enough. Is there another yeah. grand tour coming up pretty soon or something? <laughs> couldn't I? Could, I couldn't possibly say. Oh. Perry, there's, it's all like, a bit like David. He's got to get on a business call. It's ah, a kind of a right, bit of a okay. business gotcha. thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Um, all right. See you. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Ciao. Ciao. Bye. Ciao. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.